What would you do if we poked you in the axiom? The purpose, to ask questions and engage in dialogue about subjects that we call axioms. An axiom. A statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. These are the underpinnings of our thought, our belief, and the ways that we live out our lives. A question. An examination to determine the validity and or meaning. Dialogue. The process of determination. The process of our examination. Welcome. Welcome to What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom? We are with you today on our third episode that we are recording on freedom. My name is Malcolm Fowler. To my left, Thomas Barton. And to my right, Mike Dion. And we are What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom? A podcast that is loudly level-headed and seeks to take all those things that you hold sacred, that we hold sacred, and to tear them down and to break them apart but also to build them up, also to build them up. And so uh, we have been discussing freedom. We have been discussing what it is and where it is. And we have been trying to, to come to, to come to a, a, what's the word I want to use? Some sort of organization about it, some sort of something definite. We, in our first- Coherence. Coherence. That's a great word. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, trying to find some sort of coherence on it. And in our first episode, we, we jumped right in with, with both feet and, and we ended up well into the, into the deep end pretty quickly and, and had to f- sort of flounder around. Last time, uh, if you were following along with us, we proposed the question of where does freedom come from and we spent our time uh, discussing that. And we left one of those, one of those unexplored. And so, so today, that's, the, that's where we're going to be headed uh, to begin with today. And so the question that we had pr- asked last time was, where does freedom come from? And so we talked about, uh, what about, it, uh, does it come from the state? Does it come from uh, some sort of institution in our world? Does it come from uh, our, our national governments and, and things like that? Certainly, we here in America uh, experience a, uh, a certain level of what we call freedom, I would say. I don't know that it necessarily is freedom, but we, <laughs> we like to tack that name onto it. And so we talked about that, and we didn't really like it. We talked about, <laughs> is, it, uh, is it something that is just part of, our, part of who we are as people? Is it something that is uh, part of who we are as, as human beings? And we threw that idea around, and I, for one, also didn't much like that. Although I think that there's, there's something... There is something there. There is something there. The problem is, is if we're going to talk about <clears throat> it intrinsic to our nature, we're still talking about you know, something <laughs> that's you know, spiritual as opposed to material, something that's at least metaphysical. Well, and I think that that's probably why it feels like there's still, there's still a little something about it that is there. You know, I th- I th- if, there's, if there's a place for it to be seen in the, in the state, in, in a nation state, um, it's just it just becomes a protector of something, right? It's not the grantor of it. No, yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that being all said, we're, let's let's ask ourselves that question: um, Does does freedom come from the divine? Does freedom come from? And we're going to use the word God because it's the parlance of our times. It's the simplest word for us to use. Does freedom come from God? I mean, if, if you're operating off the assumption that people are created inherent with freedom, then, I mean, it, it seems straightforward that a created if, – if, if you're created 
with freedom, then it's it would make sense that it would come from the one that created. Yeah, I it that that feels too simple and too easy though, and. I mean, I well, can just hit stop now. I no, guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't do that. Um, well, it, it, I mean, there's a good, there's a good beginning point there. Yeah. And and since we want to try and poke these things, well, we, there are a lot of underlying assumptions that's, that are. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I was thinking. There, there is an, an underlying assumption there that um, if we're created, that's probably the first one, right? Right. And that if that creator is the source of these things, then freedom comes from that creator well, god okay well I was, I was gonna say you know we we operate in america at least where you know it's kind of beaten to our head all men are created equal and uh we have the, the endowed by their to, creator with certain inalienable rights right such as life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but but is it true just because some old guys some old dead guys said it and wrote it down does that make it true One of us is going to have no, to. I, mean, that, <laughs> I, I don't think you can base truth off of the proclamation of anyone, really. I mean, well. We kind of do. We, we do all the time. We do. The thing is, I think, well, let's look at the reason maybe that they would say that these rights come from God as opposed to the state. And because they did say, you know, nature and nature's God. So they were saying that they were both inherent to human nature. But the reason they were inherent to human nature is because we had been created that way. <clears throat> we had been created free mm. as rational agents capable of choice. I think if we want to look at the reasoning behind why that is, it's because that's the only thing that keeps outside forces from encroaching upon you. What do you mean outside forces? Well, that idea, if we hold to that idea, right? Like that's what pushes back against the state is that there is something inherent in human, nat- in human nature placed there by the divine, placed there by God, mm. which other men do not have the right to encroach upon. So in a sense, it makes the, the state the servant of, of that proclamation right. or the servant of that reality as opposed to the, the shaper of that reality. Yes. Okay. So the, the reality itself is inherent. Yeah. It's not, you know, the, the state protects that, defends it, places, you know, let's say reasonable boundaries upon it for human flourishing, ideally. But it doesn't get to dictate that freedom. It doesn't, it doesn't get to say, I'm the one that gives that to you. And because you re- are recognizing something that's greater than all humanity in this idea of God... You're now placing all things in service to that idea. That's like even before we had democracies, right? When the shift in Christendom with with monarchies, that now even the king was subservient to God. The king was not, you know, it wasn't Caesar who was a god himself. Mm. The king now also had to be a servant. And was an agent of God. And was an agent. Which would be that servant. Yeah. Ideally. Ideally, I, <laughs> yeah, ideally, ideally, there is actually, I don't, and this is just my my personal sense of it, but I can understand, I can understand the desire for a monarchy, at least in a mm. in a in a beneficent way. In a, in a yeah, if you had a good king and he and you know it wasn't like 
Every four years, we're going to completely recycle everything and get into this chaotic... uh, Every four years, 50% of us are going to be happy and 50% of us are going to be sad and angry. Yeah. Well, and and the... Well, both are going to be angry. (laughs) I I can't imagine trying to replace myself in my company, like replace my role at my company every four years. Like, we'd never get anywhere. (laughs) It would just be like, you're going to spend two years learning about what you're supposed to be doing, really. And then the next two years, like starting to make progress and then that's it it's over time for the next guy I, and i'm not saying that i want presidents to just be like because when we get a bad one please let's just let's move on let's get this four years over quickly but it's like god it's like that famous revolutionary uh war quote you know why would i trade one tyrant three thousand miles away for three thousand tyrants one mile away <laughs> Which is, which is also, you know, rabbit trailing already why we don't have a pure democracy in America. Because you mean we have a constitutional republic? Right, that defends individual rights as opposed to the, whatever the majority's whim is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and okay, so, so hold on. So, <laughs> well, because we're freedom, venturing. We're talking about freedom. Well, right? we're, and we're, exactly, and we sort of ventured into some territory of like, how does a nation state work and how could it work better? <laughs> Freedom, but more freedom. I less think freedom. we should reforge broken swords and give them to uh, the Aragorn. Of, to get Aragorn. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> that's okay. how I want our government to function. We just <laughs> you now have all the authority because I put these pieces of metal back together. Oh, he did have Numenorean blood, but well, yeah, that's true. Okay, Sorry. okay, <laughs> constant listener, <laughs> just revealing our our nerdery there. <laughs> I'm you the should only read one with it. Glasses, though. Huh? I'm the only one with glasses, though. That's true. I have to wear glasses when I. That's when because you're at genetically night. inferior. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's not the only freedom way I'm inferior. Freedom okay. as a, freedom as divinely given. That's that's what we're trying to explore. That's what we're what we're trying to get at. And and so Thomas, you I mean you made some really really excellent points. I think uh, that as you were talking about it, I, I was thinking and I was thinking that it seems like well, isn't that sort of a place where it, it, it seems like our, our world around us, or at least our, our, our nation around us, begins to fall apart, right? Where it just becomes the loudest voice or the biggest crowd that, that then has the right to say. And, and, and I think that in that, I, I don't necessarily know that everybody's consciously like thinking that and doing that, because I think that a lot of the people that feel very strongly about these things you know, would say like, you disagree with this. And so therefore you're wrong, you know, because this is right. I don't think that they're just saying like, well, I've got enough people around me. And so therefore we're right. I think they're saying like, you know, we feel so strongly about this thing, um, that, that we're right about it. Um, but it, it sort of, it denies in a sense, the freedom of the other person, right? So it denies, it denies, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, I'll use your word that you've used, the, the flourishing of the other person, right? And so like, like in, the, in, the, in the, the conception of America, there was this idea that in order for you to, to find life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you needed to be allowed to pursue that, right? And, and now it seems like that pursuit of it has is the thing that has has become at question, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I know. I think too is like people aren't people don't know how to handle freedom. I think 
that old, you know, that old Celtic saying, don't give a man a sword unless he knows how to dance. Is that why, so is that why like the, the, so the, uh, there's Scottish dancing that, that dances over and around swords. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't, I, I didn't yeah. know that saying, but I know the dances. Well, I mean, and it, you know, with freedom, I think it was Adams who said, you know, our, you know, our constitution is only for a profoundly moral and religious people, otherwise it wouldn't work. It's a dangerous thing. Well, you need to have... Freedom's an incredibly dangerous incre- thing. Yeah, it's incredibly... And if you... And freedom... Like, rights without responsibility. Right. So I have, the, I have the right to say what I want. Yeah. I have the responsibility not to, you know, say horrible things. But uh, if you do, there's a, there are social consequences. It's not that you're... I guess it depends. In some instances, you would be policed by the state. But generally speaking, you're not going to be policed by the state if you just come out and say something that is awful. Right. But I think that in itself creates another world of problems because the social policing is now... Out of control. Out of control. Right. Use of power. So how do you, you know, if you don't want an excess of power, you personally have to restrain your own choices. But if there is no moral guide, right, if there's no divine principle, then it's just the freedom. It's just the unhindered human will. And anything that stands in the way of that needs to be obliterated. And see, that's where – because I would, I would come down and I, w- I would say that, yes, freedom is something that is, that is divinely given. Because I would make the assumption, and I wouldn't necessarily call it an assumption, but I would, I would say there's a creator – there's a creator. I mean, and if you're out there, constant listener, and maybe we, you and I don't agree on who that creator is, but maybe you agree that there's a creator. And I would say that that creator becomes the source of these things that are good, right? And I would say that freedom is one of the things that, that is a good, but the practice of it is, is something where it becomes flawed. And, I, and I'm touching back to something that I stated in our, in our first episode on this, which is that it's freedom the practice of it becomes extremely, extremely flawed. And I think it has to do with the fact that it's, that we as, as people are flawed. I think that we have these flaws within us that, that when we give them free reign, uh, without the restraint of a moral order, without the restraint of a community order, without the restraint of a lawful order, uh, or even a spiritual order, um, our, our freedom unbounded ends up leaving us slaves. And it's a, and it's a strange sort of flip of the coin, I think, where we give free reign to, to this thing, to, this, to these desires. We begin to do it in the name of freedom. I'm a free person. I can do what I want. Nobody can tell me what else to do, right? And the problem with that is that it becomes quickly destructive and it becomes quickly killing, even soul killing to us. And so I don't find, I don't find that to be a true form of freedom. So I find it interesting that like the libertine movement in France, right? Yeah. Sorry. So which gave rise to, sorry, libertines. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Which gave rise, you know, to the decadent movement as well. You know, they're intertwined. Can you just, um, so the libertine movement is basically for for the public school kids. Yeah. (laughs) Libertinism is, you know, basically sexual license. 
Like, it's okay. Epicureanism. You mean the 60s? Is, I like how you're like, let me describe this by going into Epicureanism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I got you now. All right. Hold on. Oh, I got I to flip to that old... page of the dictionary. <laughs> uh, so it's basically just license, pleasure, wine, women, you know. Wine, and women, and video games. Yeah, and video games, right? This was before that. This is like 1700. Song. Um, wine, women, and song. Wine, women, and song. Thank you. Okay. And then you had the decadent movement, which was kind of, you know, intertwined with that, which was also looking at the more seedier side of lives. But it was all about license and freedom and pursuing pleasure. But it ended with all these decadent writers converting to the Catholic Church. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, that coin, like, flipped, right? Right, the coin flipped, like... You know, and I forget who said it. He said, you know, the, the most decadent thing I could do would be to become a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and and they they followed that path into complete and utter corruption. I mean, probably like one of the best works is Charles uh, Baudelaire, um, Flowers of Evil, where he wrote about that movement. Um, and... Like the emptiness of it, the emptiness of it. Mm. Well, and this is, I mean, it's Augustine too, right? Sorry, am I pronouncing it correctly for you? Augustine. Augustine, thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Augustine. Capologi. That's all right. I probably mangled Baudelaire. It's probably like Baudelaire. <laughs> it's French. I'm sure yeah. that there's a consonant or a vowel that you didn't put in there. Sorry, that was supposed guys. To be in there. Sorry. I'm just an ignorant American. So it's Augustine too, though, in his, in his confessions, right? Because um, yeah. was it Manichaeism? Yes. Um, which was which was very similar to that to that license that libertine thing that you're talking about though the wine, women, and song, um, and that that he gave he gave free reign to in, in his own life, um, and 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 found it to be empty. I think we would say right. Yeah. Here is here is a void. Here is emptiness, and it's and it's such a funny thing that like because I think so often you know we begin to pursue those things because of a void. And so it's like a seeking to fill that thing. And, you know, the more that we, that we seek to fill that void, the more empty that we find it to be. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O oh Lord. It's very true. I was expecting some, like, Ecclesiastes here instead of... Uh, I just I had to go with Augustine just to... <laughs> just to tie it all <laughs> to together. tie it all together. So are we, are we prepared to, to take that, that presumption, though, and, and poke at that, that, um, that, that freedom, freedom comes, from, comes from the divine? Comes from a come from comes from a creator. If I can get that word out, that sentence. I I think so. I mean, I, th- I think you want to take it. <laughs> what well, poke at it? Yeah, you want me to poke? So uh, yeah, I think I'll, we need to. Uh, yeah, well, okay. that's what I'm yeah. saying because because I've already said like I think that's where it comes from. But I'm I admit like I'm making some assumptions there. Yeah, I'm making that up. Everyone <laughs> who's listened, everyone who's listened to you know even one episode of this podcast knows that we are going to say yes. Right, right. But I think we have. Otherwise, to. it wouldn't have been the third one that we right. did. But we have to look at. Yeah. Is it, is it, I, in fact, I think it's fair to say that, um, as a a species that is, is biologically, again, I'm making an assumption, self-aware, uh, you know, I know there are people we talked about a while back that would say, no, no, like you don't even have free will. You're just a, basically everything is just a chain of chemical reactions, but the determinists, right? Yeah. So barring that philosophy, generally we would all agree that we're self-aware and uh, from just even an evolutionary standpoint, does that self-awareness breed autonomy, which breeds a, a, a drive and a longing after 
freedom to have that autonomy and to kind of kick against when we don't have that autonomy. So is it like an evolutionary mechanism, the desire for yeah. freedom except based that evolutionary self-awareness? Except that evolutionary-wise, it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, you as a, as a person in a nature state are in trouble. <laughs> we need each other. Well, yeah. we, we need each other, but we also we thrive on innovation. And innovation can only come from autonomy, which is a ridiculously, absurdly definitive statement that I have nothing to back up from. And irrationality. And what? Derationality? Irrationality. Oh, irrationality. I think I can Innovation make... Innovation comes from irrationality? Yeah, like... Because it's a dream? Because it's I saying, like... I can make like, men fly. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, the rational man is like, oh, it's hot out, I'm going to go sit under that tree. The irrational guy's like, what if I invented something? <laughs> <laughs> that would make me cooler. <laughs> Whereas Jonah prays yeah. for a vine. Yeah. And he gets a vine. I didn't get that like, reference, I'm sorry. Jonah. Oh, Jonah, yes, Jonah. I thought you said, I, okay, so Jonah, said Jonah praise. praise. I thought you said Jonah phrase. I was like, I don't know that guy. <laughs> Jonah praise. Jonah praise, yeah. And then he, yeah, okay. He gets shade because he prays and then God takes it away. And Sorry. Anyways, anyways, Mike, your statement. Let's go back so, to that for a second. Yeah, I mean, is, is autonomy really just the next evolutionary step, step that will allow us to thrive and maybe even leave our planet someday so that when we destroy it, we can survive on and on? Well, number one, should we survive? <laughs> <laughs> well, ev from an evolutionary standpoint, like we want to. Oh, sure, sure. Well, that's – isn't that somewhere wrapped up in the scientific, you know, understanding of life, like what makes life, that it has this like drive to – It wants to live. Yeah, yeah, and reproduce and carry on. Yeah. Um, so – but the autonomy thing seems like that's the place where – or the self-aware thing. Right. I mean, I, that's, a, that's, a, is that what you mean when you say autonomy, aut autonomous, that we have, like, we have a conception of ourselves. We have a, well, we, we have a, a, a free yeah. thinking nature. We, we have that conception of ourselves and we want to be able to pursue the things that most satisfy ourselves. Yeah. Like not necessarily be a hive mind and be like, oh, well, we have to serve the great queen. Let's go do this. But like, hey, you know what? I found that I really, really like coffee. I want to go get some more of that. I wonder if there might be a chemical thing there. Um, <laughs> Dang determinists. So I guess what I'm trying to, what I want to try and figure out is how is that, how is that take us to that point of saying freedom comes from a divine place? Because, well, because, I'm kind of poking it and saying, yeah, he's, oh, so you're saying it, it doesn't, does maybe it doesn't have to because, because we see it within ourselves. So it's a, so it's a, it's a observable, an observable fact in our, in our world, in our lives. And, and so why, why do we, why would we make the connection to a creator? I want to yeah. push back against like the evolutionary biological root of this need for freedom. We talked in the truth in one of the truth episodes about um, like the strongest evolutionary drive is, you know, supposed to be the biological imperative to reproduce, mm -hmm. but people opt out of that. Right. Yeah. If, and I think, and I think that kind of points to freedom as something that overcomes biological drives, because our biological drives are telling us eat, sleep, right, reproduce, do whatever you can to like defend your own genetic code and maybe like the genetic code of you know your immediate tribe. Unless the the biological imperative 
the trick, the trick is a little bit broken now that we've gotten smart enough to be able to accomplish the mission without accomplishing the mission, right? Like birth control, like we, we know as a, as a conscious entity that like, hey, children are expensive and a lot of work, but I still have this drive. So like we have invented ways to be able to accomplish the biological drive without having children as the result. So are we really avoiding it or are we just are, have have our evolutionary pieces just like been like, hey, we got them. We got, oh, oh, okay. Now what are we going to do? Like, But I would say that's also like that's still being enslaved to that thing then. Because if you can't choose to not do it. Right. Like St. Athanasius the Great, he said that. Um, <laughs> I love these names I've, that you come I've, up I with. Know, I'm sorry. Tell me about St. Ubaldo. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh. He said, you know, if you want to, you know, look at the proof of Christianity, look to, you know, monastics and the virgins mm. who choose to live a, will, a willfully celibate life, which f- flies in the face of like that thing that basically everyone's like, hey, this one thing is what I have to do all the time. And I'm going to get a great job and I'm going to get a great car, you know, and I'm going to, you know, wear the best clothes so I can attract as many partners as possible. And like people like that, I think is, is the freedom is to overcome part of freedom is to overcome those innate drives, which control us. So if we're just like tinkering around with medicine so we can indulge in those behaviors without any consequence, we're still enslaved to those behaviors. So I think, I think that that, um, that dedicating yourself to a higher thing. I think that might be a place to look to for for saying why freedom comes from God. Because I because because I think that there's good and evil in the world. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, without getting too deep into it because it's probably next time um, yeah. Yes, I was going <laughs> to say, say you know that's coming it's down probably the probably our next 3 episodes. <laughs> uh but so without getting too deep into it, I mean, I think that that we here and our and our listeners, constant listener, you can probably just agree with me and say there's good and there's evil in this world, right? I mean, we just observe it, right? And and it is a it is a strange thing that in our lives that that we can be both good and both evil. We can do things that are altruistic. We can do things um, that are very good, and we can do things that are very evil. It is, and we uphold those who do generally accepted good things and commit their lives to it, right? Especially at great cost to themselves. Especially at great cost to themselves. So it was brought up last time, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, uh, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, right? Like names of people who we can without a doubt like point to and say that they dedicated themselves to some very good things. Now they had their own flaws, right? I mean – I don't know what Mother Teresa's were, but I could tell you what Gandhi's and Martin Luther King Jr.'s were, and I'm not, you know, we don't need to go into that. You can Wikipedia it for yourself. But and it would I, definitely be accurate. <laughs> it would definitely be accurate, yes. Yeah. So if you look at the references, right? right, right. That's what a librarian once told me, like, Wikipedia is a decent place if you look to, look to the references. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's I point. believe everything always that Wikipedia tells me. That's where we get the St. Ubaldo. <laughs> that's right, Exactly. <laughs> 
I, now I now I'm, I got to rush and look and, and see if there's a Saint Ubaldo on Wikipedia. Oh, there is there's, there is a Saint Ubaldo. Oh, okay. okay. They celebrate him in uh, Gubbio, Italy, and Oliphant, Pennsylvania. Oh, only those two places in the world. All right, <laughs> all right. Total. So back to the yes, good thing, to... <laughs> because it it stands. Correct me if I'm wrong. It stands to reason that if there is a God, that that God would be good. Right. Yep. Okay. You're, I'm with I'm, you so far. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not convinced, but <laughs> I mean I, that's what I believe. But I'm not convinced that that has to be the case. But the fact that we, the fact that we can choose the good in our lives, the fact that we can we can dedicate ourselves to a good, I think indicates to us that that freedom in our lives has has a higher purpose. It has something outside of us that is good that is better, that is, again, higher. Mm. It, is, it is more than just, more than just ourselves. And, and so the fact that, and I, and I think that, that that consciousness thing goes to that because I can, I can see the world around me differently. I can see my life differently. I can see that it, it contains both uh, an amazing amount of potential for terribleness or it contains an amazing amount of potential for wonderfulness. And so it seems to me that if I'm going to look at it that way, then that ability to, to choose the good would indicate to me that perhaps there's something there to draw me to that good. Perhaps, there's, perhaps this freedom has a purpose that I, might, that I might know that good, that I might come to that good. Now I'm... I'm you know, we try to do this in a, in a free form way. So I'm not a, uh, I'm not somebody who's, you know, trained in debate and everything. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to dis- discover this thing. We're trying to poke at it and everything. So, so I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to hear what the two of you have to say to that. Because again, we've still put it on the table, right? Like freedom comes from the divine. That's, that's the thing that we're coming down on here. So What's the other poke to it? I think a good argument is like, okay, if freedom comes from the divine, why then do you see in world religions uh, primarily the idea of submitting to God? In, a, in an almost paradoxical sense? Right, yeah. Now uh, That would be assuming that our definition of freedom would simply be that like, we get to do whatever we right, want exactly. whenever we want. Yeah. Which, so, but I mean, that's... It might be people listening. That is their definition of freedom. So it's like, well, okay, if God gave me freedom, why then do I have to direct that freedom towards him? Because it would be, it would be right to, because it would be something higher. I get, and I guess you're still free not to. Right. I mean, like, that's what you're told is the right and good thing to do, but you can still choose not to. You can say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Of course, some places will be like, well, you're going to burn in hell then. I don't know what to do about that. So I'm gonna, here's another name I'm going to mangle. Uh, Nikolai Berdyaev, who's a Russian religious philosopher, said that our freedom is the thing that we offer back to God. Hmm. That is the thing. Like, like our, it's the thing that we lay on the altar. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. are like to be able to freely choose. Because if we're if so, and if, especially if you're looking in a religious context, like I can't find a religion out there, you know, well, traditional religion out there that doesn't place love as one of the highest, if not the highest, virtue. So the question then becomes is like how can you love without freedom? Like without it being a choice. Like you can't force well that's the love upon someone. So isn't I know Lewis CS Lewis talked about it and I'm sure others have as well with names that I can't pronounce. But I know CS Lewis talked about how you know God who who would create us without freedom would simply create an automaton. Right. Right. And, and, you know, to, to your point of, of Mike about, uh, about that, that freedom seems to be this observable reality that we have, right? Um, it's a strange thing to think that, uh, that God would create us with this freedom to have the potential for both great good and great evil, right? Mm. Um, but to do otherwise means that we wouldn't be the creatures that we are. And this is and this is why I think like in order for us to have a, a sense of being of ourselves, I think we I think we desperately need freedom, because otherwise, we are nothing more than slaves at best, at worst puppets. Right. Well trained dogs. Yeah. Or just victims, victims of our environments and victims of our, um, you know, our social systems and our cultural systems and all of those different things. Um, which is a is an argument to make. Can I can I sort of reverse the poke on the on the divine thing and say is it fair to say if it doesn't if freedom as a is the source of freedom doesn't lie in these other places then it must rest in God? I was actually just going to say, you know, I think that the 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 onus actually lies on the person who doesn't believe in God to tell me where does freedom come where from? Where freedom comes from? I think this is actually one of the one places where, like, I'm sorry, religious people have the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> we know? have the high ground, right? Right. <laughs> Don't do it, Anakin. <laughs> like, no. I mean, okay. Tell me where freedom comes from. Tell me where free will comes from. And I think Sam Harris is incredibly honest to say we don't have free will as a materialist. We can respect him for that, yeah, in a like, sense. And I think the same with you know people like Daniel Dennett and all these other ones who I've mentioned before. Like, thank you for yeah. your honesty in following <laughs> your philosophy out to the logical conclusion, which is you don't. There mm-hmm. isn't. So, I mean, if it doesn't come from God, if it doesn't come from a divine source, I where mean, does it come? Where from? does it come? Don't you can't show me an evolution where f- freedom comes from, other than we want what we want and we don't like restraint which is not necessarily freedom. Mm. And that's the thing that I think that we're coming back to because, you know, we started with that Google definition, right, of uh, the absence of the absence of restraint or the ability to do whatever you want, right? And, I mean, when you take that just as, as, as a pure definition, um, nobody has that. Nobody, nobody, no. nobody has that. Nobody's ever going to have that. Right. Because there's always, there's always going to be some sort of restraint, whether it be any of the places that we've already talked about, but it, there's always going to be some restraint upon your, upon your sense of freedom. And I think that, you know, the, the tricky thing for us in America is, is that we get freedom and rights really mixed up, right? So we think that we think that we have a right to this thing 
and that doesn't necessarily imply that we have the freedom to it. Right. Do you want to take a deeper dive into that? I kind of do, but I'm 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 kind of I'm trying to. It's just a sense that I have of it. Like we talk about, we talk about rights, and well, I guess we I guess we kind of we kind of approached it. And one of us was talking about how, you know, my freedom only goes so far as your rights extend. Mm, right. Right. And so so it's it's when those things sort of bump into each other, right? Uh, it's it's when those things come across one another that that then we run into all these problems. Um, and I think where what happens is, is that we end up using our, our rights as a tool of oppression in a certain way. Okay. Um, you know, I have, I have, you know, a, a God given, <laughs> I'm sort of talking tongue in cheek here. I have a God given right because of the second amendment, right? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. And so you can't take guns away from me. You can no law shall be made that infringes upon them upon that right, you know. And so, you know, some very reasonable things uh, about like, you know, waiting periods and background checks and things like that that just if you know, I can't hunt gophers with a gatling gun, my rights have been infringed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor gophers. <laughs> I can't believe you're using such a small weapon to hunt gophers. That's ridiculous. I know, yeah, it's your rocket launcher. I use drone strikes. I like mortars, <laughs> personally. <laughs> it's a little more sporting. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, so, again, like, you know, we get far more concerned with rights because because we think those are the things that guarantee those things. Mm. And so can I, I, can I use that as a transition point here to Thomas, you had brought up something back on our first episode about freedom being a metaphysical, I believe you said. Yeah. It's a state of being state of being. Yeah. Thank you. Metaphysical state of being. Um, and I don't think that that's the thing that like most Americans are concerned about. I think most Americans are concerned about like just just give me my rights, like tell me that I can do this, as opposed to saying like, how can you not? Mm. How can you tell me that I can't? You know, like 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 I am free. To me, that <clears throat> this is why I believe that it has the freedom has to be a state of being, because even if we say, you know, listen, the government. It's just there to defend, you know, these inherent rights, this inherent liberty given to you by God. Well, you're going to get trampled on no matter what flag you wave. I'm sorry. Someone's going to come along and trample on you. The freedom to me comes in, like, how am I going to handle that then? Like, how am I going to... How's it going to work? Like, how am I going to choose to live my life in the face of evil, in the face of poverty, in the face of oppression? Am I going, like... There has to be something within us that can remain untouched by these outside forces and be at peace and still choose the good regardless of our circumstance. And maybe that's the ultimate like metaphysical freedom is the choice to choose the good over and over again regardless of circumstance. Regardless of the impulse. Regardless of the impulse too, yeah. Yeah. Or the by circumstance, could we say the consequence? Like... What I mean is, is doing good could sometimes be outlawed. Yes. And when doing good is outlawed, will you stop doing good? Because the consequence would be punishment. Yeah. You know, I mean, punishment by the state, by the society, whatever it might be. But 
you can't you can't not choose the good. Well, you stand in front of the tank at Tiananmen Square, right? Like that guy, I would argue, was the most free. Was the most free in that crowd. Yeah, that's good. That's a good example. Even if you can take my life from me, you still can't take me from me. Yeah, like you don't get to corrupt my soul. Yeah, you don't get to put hatred in my heart. So, so we ventured into the, into the working out of it. We ventured into the, into the working out of freedom. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute, because one of the things that we've identified is that, uh, or that I've, I've stated, I should say, is that freedom, freedom seems relatively flawed. Um, and it seems flawed because, because of these impulses within us, Right. And so now we've we've sort of ventured into this into this like the working out of it, right? Um, and so freedom has these places in our lives where it works out. Um, it works out in the relationships around us, um, with our family, with our friends, with our community, and ultimately with our state and with our world, right? And so you brought up the question, Thomas. Yeah, I don't know if you want to run with it a little bit more about you know what do I do with it? Yeah. So. <clears throat> I would, I would like to start by saying I think, I think the number one place that it plays out is, first of all, within us, you know, within your soul, and primarily within your thoughts. You know, I know some people who, because of their political uh, proclivities, let's say, find it really hard not to think poorly and hate the people who disagree with them politically. Yep. I would say that those people are actually enslaved by their opponents, even if the, you know, or that's their, the political opposition that to whatever the thing is, because they can't get those people out of their head. So, you know, how does freedom play out for me? Like first it plays out in my mind by trying to overcome hatred, anger, fear, um, anxiety, because if I have those things all going on within me, I am going to act those things out. I might be able to restrain them for a little bit, but eventually they will come out, and they will come out in very ugly ways the more that they're restrained without being eradicated. You know, dare we say self-destructive ways. Yes. So if I'm going to, if, I think freedom has to play out first and foremost within you. What are the things that enslave you as a person? And I think we can all answer that question like really easy, like what keeps you up at night? <laughs> and then the, you'll find your bondage. Like what is it, that thing that you can't share with anyone else? That's a thing that's going to enslave you. Reading Cormac McCarthy books. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's funny. Um, I've been listening to Colin Hay a lot. He, he was men at work. Land down under. Anyways. I'm, that's not how it starts. It's that, like, not how it starts, but it's in like, Yeah, anyways. He's got a song. Try not to lose respect for you. It's good. It's good. He's got a song called Prison Time, and the, the chorus is, I can't keep my mind from doing prison time. And Ooh, That's that's good. Okay. That's so really good. Do you have respect again? Yeah, the land down under thing gave me pause, but he was chasing after money. We got yeah, we all gotta eat. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to put food on the table somehow. Yeah. So are you gonna afford your fried out combi? Write a write a pop go. song. <laughs> Why not? Work for the Beatles. Um, but but the, I think that that sort of gets that idea of like you know these things that occupy the space in my mind. Um, they can become shackles. Yeah. Not they, you know, and and can we can we say. Can we say that the things that are uh, bad, those are the things that shackle us? Would we say things that the that things are that are bad. would we say that the things that are good shackle us? Because I kind of want to say that the things that are good shackle us in some ways. I mean, but they, I think it's a life-giving freedom. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, what, what are we talking about here? Well, like love Jump for in, my Mike. kids. Love for my kids is probably shackling. Like I, I found myself stuck in a chicken, my chicken pen with a bear in my dumpster and I knew my son I had just sent inside to put on shoes and he's he doesn't pay a lot of attention and I'm thinking he's going to run out. I'm trying to scare the bear away. It doesn't care about me. I'm thinking he's going to run out and I just know if that happens and the bear is spooked by him, I am going to be fighting a bear. Not something I wanted. I'm, I was like, can I throw chickens at it? Like, Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot of options here. There was a two by four that I could have maybe grabbed, but like, you know, it, it like there was no question in my mind. If, if something starts to go down, I'm running out of this chicken pen and fighting a bear. Uh, not something that I would choose to do, but like I am bound to my kids in that way. Of course, I say all that and, you know, later on you'll be like, it'll happen. And it'll be like, and the poor guy was just stuck in the chicken pen, pen staring, uh, unable to move out of fear. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, well, I guess I'm not as cool as I thought I was. But, like, at least I feel like I'm compelled to do that, right? Totally bound. Yeah. And I think we would all agree that defending my children it would be a good thing. I've never met your kids, but I assume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You and Malcolm can have a private conversation about that later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. I think so. They're perfectly fine. But like. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, kids. We can compare notes with, with my own uh, <laughs> little <laughs> angels. Um, <laughs> Someday they're going to listen to this and be like, oh, oh, man. come on, God. Oh, why every episode they bring us up? That's why we need to get a Patreon so I can put a therapy <laughs> <laughs> therapy savings account. The highest tier is you actually get to sit in for a session of our children's therapy. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. A thousand bucks. So constant listener. Uh, so no, being bound. Bound, yeah. I think, well, I, th- I think it's paradoxically, like, if only to... Only to bind yourself to like the highest principle is what can free you from all those other snares. If you don't have that, if you don't have that thing, they're like, this is it. This is where, this is, you know, I'm going to stand here and give my life to this. Everything else is you're going to just, every other passing fancy you're going to chase after. Which is dangerous, right? Because you, that thing you stand for might not actually be like a good thing. Right. So you have to examine it. Right. You have to examine it. Um, it's kind of like if you're climbing a mountain and you have the things that you're jamming into the mountain wall to like 
help you not die, right? But you jam them into things that are not good. Yeah. And you, you bind yourself to either something that's going to be good and protect you and, and be life-saving or something that's going to potentially give you the false sense of protection that then when you fall is just like, nah, screw you, buddy. So I'm about to like tie this into truth then because I think it's only by knowing – <laughs> you know the truth. How do you know truth? How do you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Episode one. Yeah. <laughs> we um, we admitted when we when we approached truth that truth would be something that carried through all of these. So do it. You you need to ha- have some type of concept of the truth to be free. I think. Okay. Can you because flesh it out. Well, because otherwise you're just binding yourself to lie. Because you're going to be bound, right? You, you got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. Maybe the devil, or it may be the Lord, <laughs> but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's right. That's right. And uh, you might just find that that thing that you're serving is not good. Hmm. It could be. It's a lie. And I don't. I don't believe in noble lies. Which is not to say I don't like t- lie to my kids all the time. Like, oh yeah, they closed the playground today. <laughs> <laughs> we all forgive you for that. Right? That's, but I mean, that's uh, that's called a misuse of freedom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but and we talked about that, like when when we were talking about truth, uh, how devastating that is to find out you've been living a lie. Mm. Why not? I mean, why? I don't. I don't disagree with you that to 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 bind yourself to the truth, to bind yourself to to a higher good, is a better is a better freedom, right? It's a better state of being. But why? Because there's as we were talking. We were. I mean, we were talking about before, and we don't have to like bring up you know specific examples and things. But we were talking about some people that we know in our lives that are essentially choosing destruction. Yeah. And some of some of whom have even found it. I mean and 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 by destruction constant listener, I mean death. I can only speak from experience which I know, you know, isn't necessarily universal, but I don't think I'm that special to not have at least have some type of <laughs> That's all right. That's you know, I think you're somehow special. that's got to somehow that's got to work itself into your bio. Right? Was Thomas. <laughs> He's not that special. I'm not that special, but <laughs> I mean, I lived a life of license for a long time. If I wanted to drink it, I was going to drink it. If I wanted to sleep with it, I was going to sleep with it. And if I wanted to, you know, snort it, smoke it, whatever. And I, I mean, there is freedom there because it's, it's complete. You're completely unrestrained except from those things that eventually end up, you know, you end up needing. But there's this romanticism of, you know, what at, the day is going to be dictated by my wants and there's no one who can stop me from this path and you know accepts like the law and I will willfully accept the consequences of my actions if it comes to that point and I ended up wanting to blow my head off because it was just empty you can only do so many drugs or drink so many beers or you know do everything else that comes with that life before it's you realize how completely meaningless it is. And before you're enslaved, it's like now I have to do these things because my serotonin's all messed up and I need a dopamine hit. And so I have to go do this thing. Like now I have to. And 
I mean, that's, it's not freedom. So there's something that we had talked about, I think, in our first episode about freedom being this thing that you have to fight for. <laughs> Somebody said freedom isn't free. <laughs> I just, I, it's, it's a little cliche thing, so it kind of bugged me. Cost a buck oh five. What? Cost a buck oh five. <laughs> so would it, would it be fair to say that, like, when you, when you follow that passive path of license, um, you know, and there's been historical examples that we brought up, that you come to a, you come to a place where you, where you find that it wasn't freedom, or maybe you thought it was freedom, but it's, it's, it's become slavery. I've never met a happy old druggie. And so in finding that, in finding that, it's, that it's now slavery, you don't have to fight for something else. Yeah. You have to actually now fight that, that freedom that you thought you had enslaved you. And now you have to fight for real freedom. And again, this isn't just a question of rights. I mean, this is a question of like saving your, your life. I'd go finding with, your life. Yeah. Finding it. I mean, I think that's why I think drug addiction is a completely logical conclusion to the world that we live in today. <laughs> we are told, you know, to basically follow whatever raging passion we have, wherever it may lead us. We're told that the next new thing is going to make us happy. Our entire, you know, our entire country is one big shopping mall where all it is is buy and sell, produce, consume, that's all we have. It's like, well, then why shouldn't I buy this thing, which is going to make me happy? And actually, you know what? You should legalize this thing because the only thing that's making me unhappy is that I can't procure it. And I don't see a materialist argument or, I'm sorry, a capitalist argument. Against it. Against it. Yeah. No, I, no, I hear what you're well, saying. Well, you want me to buy 15 cheeseburgers so I can get fat and have heart disease. Why can't I shoot heroin? Because you don't control it. So before we have to edit something out. Yes. <laughs> let's, Sorry, I'm getting let's, upset. Let's pull Thomas in for, for just a moment. No, because I, I, don't, I, don't dis- I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. But I do think that in a way that, that, that higher purpose doesn't, doesn't shun material things, right? No. It doesn't it, because again, the material thing itself is not the it, it, it's not the good or the bad thing, right? It could be it could be dedicated, it can be sanctified or made sacred for a purpose. Opiates right? are great when you're performing surgery on someone. Sure. Okay. Oh, for a second, I was not thinking, for the person uh, performing the, the surgery. Not for, yeah, not for the doctor, <laughs> yeah. for the patient. Yeah. Yeah. There is. I had to know. pause for a moment. Wait a minute. The thing in <laughs> okay, itself yeah, no, has it. no. I love it when my my surgeon's not enough at the. <laughs> <laughs> the thing in itself is neither good nor bad. It's the use of it. Right. Right. And so, again, you know, the flaw in freedom is you and me. Yes. Is you and me, and so like if we're so deeply flawed. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> Maybe, we Maybe should. there's a piece of freedom that, like, no, I, I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have that because when I'm given it, oh, man, it's, it's a train wreck. Well, it's, and that's when we end up infringing on somebody else's freedom, usually, when we go too far. Well, that's why we view drug addiction as a moral problem, which I believe 
it is. Like I'm not, I wasn't being a proponent for legalization. I was just following out an argument. Um, because we're looking and we're saying there's, you know, there is actually something wrong with being addicted to, to drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the person who says legalize is like, well, we could, we'd cut back actually a lot of crime if it was just legal. But, you know, there's some statistics you can point to saying that that actually might be true. But we're like, our problem really isn't <laughs> the legality of it. Our problem is like, no, we're making a, we're, we're making a moral statement yeah. when we're talking about drug addiction. Like prohibition yeah. on alcohol, that was a moral prohibition that failed horribly. But it was like we're, we're making moral statements about all these things. And I just don't think you get to make that moral argument if you're a pure materialist. Well, what's your basis for right. what is good and what like is I bad? Th- I think that ties right. back to like our freedoms actually come from a divine source, which is the only re- way we can actually talk about good. Or, you know. Hmm. Or next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Well, oh, man. And here's a whole other thing. Uh, so I'll touch on it and then just. But the distinction between, and, and you touched on it a little bit as well, the distinction between freedom and what is legal, uh, like you were touching on it kind of in the negative. Like if if what is legal is, or if. No, sorry. If, it's, if what is good is illegal, are we still going to do good? Mm-hmm. Um, in the the inverse, kind of saying like, do we need to outlaw everything that we see as bad? And there's a there's a whole discussion about the freedom to choose what's wrong. You know, like if we we outlaw heroin, right, for for recreational use. Well, it's not in medicine anymore. Hasn't been for a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, that's even even using prescription drugs recreationally is outlawed because we've said it's bad. But why are some things that we say are bad, we're going to restrict people from doing that? Well, other things that we say are bad, we're like, yeah, actually, you can start an entire business selling uh, these awful barely food cheeseburgers and killing people slowly. You can have a bank that can, you know, create a housing crisis or multiple banks that can create multiple crises and impoverish millions of people. And that's right. okay. They're too big to fail. Yeah, they're too big to fail. So, like with prohibition, right? Freedom, baby. Like, like prohibition got passed, right? And in some ways, it's kind of good. You know, I mean, if if alcohol leads to it created the mob, <laughs> if alcohol leads to some of these great evils, well, it seems it seems easy. Get rid of the alcohol, right? Right, but. Then we discovered, oh, wait a minute, getting rid of the alcohol because of the drive to have right. the alcohol produced all these other terrible things. So I don't think that, you know, I don't think the prohibition necessarily like went back on itself. I think it, I think prohibition was essentially saying like, okay, this isn't the way to work this out. Yeah. Like we've got to work this out some other way. We've got to work out how we're going to use this as a, as a society in some other way. And so, like you said, Thomas, you know, those opioids, they can, they're really helpful yeah. in, in some ways, but they're really dangerous. Yeah. And so we've got to figure out how to use it. And I, and I think that that's the, you know, freedom beyond the sense of rights, but like freedom 
it is worked out in the world around us. It is worked out every single day in our world. Like you said, Mike, in a situation that like most of us would probably not find ourselves like standing in a chicken coop, like wondering if the bear in the dumpster is going to eat our <laughs> child and what we're, our response is going to be to it. Right. But in that moment, like, and I, and you're not making all of the, you're, you know, you're not sitting there recording an hour and a half podcast thinking about like, what's my freedom in this situation? Right. No, I'm looking for weapons. You're just, you're just acting out of instinct. Because because of those things that bind you, because right. of that sense of love for your child and therefore protection, that sense of protection of your child so that they can live and thrive and not be eaten by a bear. Um, I should probably like end that story and let you know that like he no, saw the bear. No, it's good the way it is. <laughs> he, yeah. he saw the bear from inside the house and was like, I'm not going to go outside right now. I assumed he was still alive because yeah. you were like not in, in, in a right mind. Yeah, you're in yeah. the right <laughs> mind. Yeah. yeah. So red eyed. With all these things that we're touching on with instincts, I want to go ahead and say the reason that we aren't free as a society is actually because of the manipulation of those instincts. Manipulation by outside marketing. forces, by yeah. marketing, <laughs> corporations. Like, I find it very, very interesting. Um, Are you saying that we need to be woke? We need to be aw- awakened? Well, not in the parlance of our times. <laughs> um, I find it very interesting, like, people who seem to be the most ultra-libertarian when it comes to the government are also, for some reason, like, super cool with these these corporations that actually do more to enslave them than the government does. Like it, it still feels like a choice. And most of us want to think that like marketing doesn't affect us the way that it like affects Pepsi, Coke, ever. Sprite, seven up. Right. Like I said, right. Republican Democrat, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it does still feel like a choice. And I think that's why it's easy to, to overlook that. Well, I, I, I see it, and I guess I see it in mainly in my daughter because she's, you know, she's seven. So she's now, like, getting... Oh, she gets the ads. She's kind of, like, getting into her self-deterministic, like... Like, I'm watching, like, the metamorphosis as she's, like, trying to discover what her personality is. Yeah, she's discovering that she has a will. Yes, and what I see is that, like, a lot of mimicry in her. Like I can tell like from like people at church, you know, this girl that this older girl that she really admires, she'll talk like her sometime. Mm. But then she'll also talk like, you know, favorite characters of different shows and which is completely fine. Like we all do that. We, yeah, that emulation can be a good thing. Right, yeah. We all learn through that, you know, mirror neurons and stuff like that. Um But also when I'm seeing like, oh, like that's why it's really important that I filter the stuff that I allow in our house. Yeah. Because it is so easy to, you know, to unconsciously manipulate. Um, well, and people. I think, do you want to finish? Sorry. No, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Well, because, and, and I, I think that that's, you know, one of the, one of the features of world religions is that they, they lay out a set of behavioral rules, right? Um, perhaps because there's something something within us that says that's necessary for our lives because without that we're left with all kinds of dangerous things right yeah and i think it's very interesting so like with like all the talks about you know sexuality and gender being so all these social constructs right but then you have every single aspect of our 
media culture pushing a certain viewpoint of this. And no one's like, well, maybe that is also social conditioning. It is. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. But no one wants to say that because they don't want to lose their job. I, well, I think or, nobody you know, wants to say it because free. because the ones saying it are perfectly they're perfectly okay with the fact that it's social conditioning because they think that it's okay because right. they think that they th- they think that they have what is right and what is true on their side. Uh, yeah, I was I was just gonna say like I, you so s- the ends justify the means. Right, you see you see that from the the other end, like having grown up in church and and like people would talk about like oh the agenda that these people have. And these people never acknowledge that, like, they have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. Like, so we all have an agenda. There's a chart I saw one time, and who knows if it's true, but I thought it was interesting. And maybe anyone who's listened to this can post it on their Facebook page, because I certainly am not going to go home and look for it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was tracing, basically, the, the rise in corporate wokeness um, post-Occupy Wall Street. Really? And, like how like all these corporations started getting really, you know, quote unquote woke after the Occupy Wall Street movement. Cause like, you know what, what, like eight years ago, well, because they're not really interested, but they are interested in making money. Right. So like eight years ago when all that was going on, everyone's like, Oh yeah. You know, corp, these horrible corporations, these banks are all enslaving us. And everyone's like, Oh yeah. I love, you know, Starbucks because they got a rainbow flag and (laughs) I love, you know, (laughs) Where you shop becomes a moral choice. Right. And it's like these people just found a way to trick you into ignoring the fact that they have more of a say in what happens in your life than your elected representatives do. Because all you really care about is sex. And that's why that's the biggest issue in our culture. As long as I can sleep with whoever I want to sleep with without consequence, I don't care about anything else really. And, well, look at just just look at your commercials. Just look at your newsfeed. What's the one thing that's being pushed down your throat? It all has to do with sex. So, okay, the working out of freedom. We're slaves. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't like what you're saying to me is not controversial. Right? No, not to you. No. So I mean, if our if our listeners were coming here to like find like one of us to to disagree with you, I think I for one would would just amp up the argument. So <laughs> this one goes to eleven. Um, the but the working out of freedom and 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 so here's so here's the thing in our world today, like it becomes very hard to work that freedom out unless we have unless we have somebody who comes in and sets us free. Somebody who, somebody who comes alongside of us and says, now, wait a minute. And I mean, I love the stories of somebody who's, who, you know, has a changed life, you know? And, and I think a lot of times those changed lives oftentimes are accompanied by, and there was this person, right? Like my life changed when there was this person who entered into my life and like helped me see, taught me, um, help to make me better, right? Mm. Like, and in a sense, I, w- I would, I would say, like, yeah, that person like helped to set you free from those things that were that were binding you before. And you know, some of the people that we were talking about before, before we sat down in front of the microphones here, um, I feel like they needed those people. 
you know, they needed those people in their lives that would come alongside them and say, listen, like you've got to, you've got to take a step back here and you've got to look at these things. You know, you've got to look at like what your life is, what is going on in your life. And you've got to, you've got to find something else. You guys keep going. Just to make sure. I might have scheduled our time an hour off. We're having a sidebar conversation because someone was looking in the recording studio and I, I waved her away. <laughs> <laughs> one, one hour and six minutes. That's where we'll have to go back to. Okay. So, again, you know, the working out of, the working out of freedom. Um, to your point, Thomas, it becomes a really difficult thing because there are all these things around us that would make us slaves. Like, not even just ourselves, but like, but that prey upon our desires, prey upon those, prey upon those things that would naturally make us slaves to them within us. And so how do we, how do we get freedom? How do we fight for freedom? How do we find freedom? And I think one of the main ways to do is like you turn off the television first. I guess the smartphone nowadays. I mean, is anyone, is anyone watching the TV? Don't saying, turn the podcast off. Yeah, no, not the podcast, though. We're helping you be free, people. We hope. <laughs> yeah, we, we hope. hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and this has been going on forever. Like, there's a reason why sports cars are sold, you know, like if you're <laughs> the main people buying sports cars are men. So, what are they doing? They're putting a half naked woman next to some old dude in a sports car. In the commercials for in them. In the commercials. It's like, we. As long as we are going to base our life off of instinctual patterns, that I mean, and let's face it, we're largely unconscious of these patterns because we don't have that person to come wake us up, right? Or we don't bind ourselves to something which calls us beyond those instinctual patterns. Like we are going to be manipulated through them. Yeah. Yeah. We are. It's scary to me when we are willingly. It's scary to me when there seems to be just that that willful sense of it uh, that that just leads us leads us along. So there's something that that we've sort of talked about. We've skirted around it. It's been brought up a number of times. But this idea that that freedom freedom is found in submission to something. As an I, I, I'm thinking we're, I think we're, we're going back to our first episode when we talked about that. Yeah. Our, our, when we talked about our, talked about freedom. And I wish I could remember exactly, but there was something, there was a, there was a point at which I think this, I think it was when you were talking about how, you know, freedom, freedom becomes this, this state of being, right? This sense of, this sense of being about ourselves, this ontological state. Am I using that word right? Ontological state. Yes. And and that in order to in order to, to 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 find that in order to achieve that that there's there's a a submission to something that 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 we need to find and maybe it is that you know again with the truth maybe it is just the truth that that I I seem to be unable to to find freedom on my own because every time I turn down a path I find slavery every time every time I try to exercise it it turns against me right. So I wonder if this is what, like, can you have actual self-determination without 
something transcendent. I mean, my knee-jerk reaction is to say no. Well, so like... I think we fight for it. I think we do. Well, even something like... Like community transcends the individual, right? Even yeah. something as simple as that, let's yeah. say. So Carl Jung would say that you can actually only become a true individual in relation to a community. Mm. Like mm. that you only can know who you are in relation to other people. Mm-hmm. And maybe without like that ultimate other, which I would say is God, you don't have ultimate individuality. Which, if freedom is one of those things that is inherent to our individuality, because it is, it is one of the things in our lives that, that you know, keeps us from being a puppet, right? Um, yeah, then you wouldn't have that, that individuality, that sense of self. I just keep having this image of, like, of traffic in major cities and everyone waiting in line to go sit in a cubicle. And like if you were watching that from above, you'd be like, what is going on here? This makes no sense. This makes no sense. Like, what is what is happening? Yeah. Like, and we're like, well, you know, I chose this. Like, not really. If you can't do otherwise, maybe that's a definition of freedom. If you can't do other than what you're doing, it's not freedom. That's something that we brought up at one point about poverty. When you ask people around the world who are living in poverty, we as Americans oftentimes think that it's just it just has to do with lack of material resources. But people in real poverty, they say it's it's the lack of power over our own lives, over our own decisions. Yeah, it's 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 something that we don't have. And I guess that's you know again you know with the faith aspect to it, every every faith says you know follow these follow these guidelines and. In these, you know, that's our, that's our stated way of living, right? And I think for us, at least in my experience with my Christian faith, it is, it is the submission to, to something that gives me, how do I want to put it? Gives me, gives me a freedom to be something to be to be free from those those things that would that would enslave me otherwise. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, and I think that's. I think the more we move away from that, the more we'll see. Well, I mean, people. It boggles my mind that they did some study where, like, oh, well over fifty percent of uh, college-aged kids didn't care about freedom of speech didn't think that we should have freedom of speech, mainly on the left side of things. Like, which that's I mean, kind of a scary thought. Let's face it, college kids left. That's a redundant statement. Well, but, I mean, I've, I've talked to really hardcore right. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not throw that, everybody I'm glad you're back now, Mike. You, we, we needed to, back when <laughs> we, I was just agreeing we with each other. To... We were just agreeing with each other for five minutes. <laughs> so, so one of the scariest conversations that I had was with a really, really extreme Trump supporter friend of mine who was totally okay with Trump overthrowing the government and eliminating the freedom of speech. Wow. And he, his argument was because the left's already doing it anyway. Again, yeah, the ends justifies the means. I can't do stairs. <laughs> so they were talking about, you know, the need for basically 
the ultimate goal of God, like the transcendence, this thing that you could submit to, to, you know, make us free from these instincts that we were talking about just a minute ago before you left. Mm. Um, and I think the fact that we're losing that, like, like that's why people, the younger generation today doesn't care about things like freedom of speech or they don't care about, you know, freedom to choose, <laughs> you know, these, well, they care about freedom to choose something. Um, and I think the more and more that we lose a sense of transcendence, the more we're going to see authoritarian tendencies on both sides. Um, yeah. 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 And I think that the, what we, what we tend to see is we tend to see the loudest voices as well. So like the guy I was talking to is certainly not representative of everybody on the right. Right. Uh, nor is he representative of everybody who voted for Trump or even of everybody who believes that Trump still won the election. Just as much as a lot of the the loudest voices on the left are not necessarily representative of the people that the, the, the majority of the people on the left. Um, unfortunately, we get pulled. And that's that's the danger of that draw. And I think it's one of the most dangerous things about social media is it's so much easier to get pulled into the, the uh, you know, almost like two big black holes on either side. And the closer you are to one, the more likely you are to be pulled in that direction. And yeah, I don't know what to do to stop that other than just pull the plug on the internet. So let's, let, let's take a step back for a moment here and let's Bye. take some, take some time to sort of recap. Because it feels like we're it feels like we're coming to the end of this here, and at the very beginning, one of the things that I said was that I don't I think freedom is is so so flawed at least in the practice of it that it's dangerous. It's, I mean, it's I think that it has has some absolute danger to it, and you know we've talked about where freedom comes from. We've wanted to, I would say, deny this idea that, that, that freedom is just a, a, um, a giving free reign to, to our, to our own desires, because that in itself is a, is a, is a type of slavery because you're just sort of enslaved to your passions. And so in the working out of freedom, we need, we need something else to help us work that work out that freedom. We need we need some sort of submission to, to a rule, uh, to an authority, and you know if you look at if you look at history, you can find that in some very good places. There have been some nation states there have been that have been decent enough at times. There have been communities that that will dedicate themselves to caring for one another for. Uh, uh, doing good things. <laughs> Sorry, my words just failed me. Um, you know, and we identify in our own lives that, that uh, our families themselves, you know, they bind us in a very, in a very good way, in a very, very good way. And so really, I think that when we look at our lives, I think that we can, we can say that we, we have in a sense, very little freedom and yet in a life of faith, I think that we find great, great freedom for all these things that if I'm honest with myself, I might not choose that good every time or even once. No, <laughs> I, don't, 
I don't think I would. And, you know, maybe that's like, you know, you hear, like, oh, well, if you need God to be moral, how moral can you be? It's like, well. I don't, I don't mind being that desperate. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind <laughs> being that desperate either. It's like, yeah, man, like if. Maybe I'm way more honest with myself than you are being honest with yourself. I don't think, and, you know, replace God with, replace God with principle, right? It's like, well, like you're not just coming up with this on your own. Like people, you, you might think you're a good person, but if you're honest with yourself again, you know, those moments before bed, you know, if you replay the day, like how many times did you look at someone and for no reason at all hated them or like pass judgment upon them? Like, oh, look at that guy. Like, come, like, come on. Let's, we're, we're, we all have corruption within us and we all need something to guide us out of that inherent state of corruption. And like, I mean, just look at kids, kids unrestrained. I remember my daughter being two, you know, and the dog like took one of her toys. So she went and got a baseball bat. Oh. <laughs> and like, she had no, she never witnessed any violence in her life. She's not raised with any violence, but her natural reaction was like, well, I'm going to go beam this dog then for taking my thing. Like that is man in his natural state. I mean, that's the warring tribe. That is, that is who we are when the niceties of civilization go away and there's no more electricity and there's no more stadiums and there's no more bread. That is who we will be without some higher principle to guide us out of the primordial muck, which still lives inside of all our hearts. You know, one of my favorite, uh, like, I don't know what it was, paradox, I don't, whatever, the end of the Lord of the Flies. When, you know, the kids have – their whole little society has broken down and it's warring factions and murder and chaos and stuff. And then the adults show up to rescue them. But what do the adults show up in? A warship. <laughs> and it's just like – How ironical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder can, what he was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you, should we assume some sort of message there? Uh, it's, nah. it's, just, it's just fiction, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Freedom is, freedom is flawed and freedom is dangerous. And if we're going to exercise that freedom, if we're honest with ourselves, we really, we need some restraint on ourselves. I think that's a level of maturity to be able to say that statement, I hope. Um, and I know that that might be in an arrogant way saying that I have some sort of level of maturity, but... Uh, You've got the beard for it. It's fine. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it has been the guiding principle of every successful civilization since the dawn of time until today. And if it ain't broke. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> I'll fix it. I think we can kind of see the results in our culture today when, you know, the guiding hand of, of healthy restraint is removed. So in a sense, I think that the, really the, like the ultimate expression of, of or, or not, not, not expression, but like the, the fighting for freedom like for you, constant listener, and for us here in the studio, like that fighting for freedom might simply be like waking up every day, like taking care of those around you, like doing things that are ordered in your life that are good to do, uh, pursuing virtue, um, pursuing a sense of the higher calling. And maybe, maybe you're not at the place where we are here um, to identify God, um, but maybe you have sensed that there is something within you uh, 
that has followed along with this conversation has said, I want that. I don't want this listlessness uh, of a life that seems purposeless, that seems like it has no sense of higher calling, has no sense of higher being. Maybe you're in a place where you've given yourself over to your passions and you have found nothing but slavery there. And so get up and commit an act of revolution and live a life that is well-ordered, live a life that is lived out to a higher calling. Find that, pursue that, search for that, find that truth, and find that freedom. Well said. This has been What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom? We will be with you next time. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or found it challenging, please like and share with your friends. You can find us online at pokethexiom.com and join the conversation yourself at facebook.com forward slash pokethexiom. Your hosts were Malcolm Fowler, Thomas Barton, and Mike Dion. This episode was recorded at the Black River Innovation Campus in Springfield, Vermont, and is sponsored by Indelible Inc., a web agency driven to perfect your digital presence.